Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And today... We have those right people right here for you right now. And before I introduce our guests, I want to give a shout out to Nicole Maiden, who's here in the studio with us, who is always bringing us the A-list people. So thank you for being here again with us, Nicole. We've had Nicole Maiden on a couple of times with us as well, a new author, and uh, again, just a powerhouse. So if you don't know Nicole, it's time to get to know her. So, all right, on that note, let's introduce Mary Fane Brandt. She is the CEO and Chief Connector at Master It with Mary. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled that we're doing this live. We love it. Yeah, podcasting, right? I know you've got your own podcast. A lot of folks will pre-record. We are Business Radio X, so if we're going to call ourselves a radio studio, we got to go live. I like it. Yeah, well, thank you. And tell us about your podcast. What is the name of it? It's Redefine Your Career Journey. Learn how to become the CEO of your career because we're all about helping people really understand that they need to take control of their career and not wait for someone else to promote them. Hmm. I can't wait to hear more. Thank you, Mary. And with us as well is Sharon Bondaran, and she is the CEO and founder of The Finders. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Karen. It is so great to be here. That's a great last name. Any relation? No relation. (laughs) However, it's been just um, so good as far as doing sales and marketing. People always are asking me, are you related? Yeah. so no, I'm not, but at least people so fun. remember the name. So yeah. Excellent. And the finders, we're going to really get into obviously the meat of what you both offer professionally, but just tell us a little about the finders to get us yeah, kicked off. Of course. So I started the finders back in 1998 after my first son was born. I was working for another firm for about three years and I was in my twenties and really thought after I was, um, you know, going to go right back to work. And back then, there wasn't any um, remote opportunities. There was really no way to do my job except to be in the office. And I made a decision very quickly when I first saw my son. I thought, you know, something has to change. I am not leaving him, you know, even for a second. So I started The Finders very organically um, 25 years ago from my spare bedroom every time my, my son would go down for a nap. And it really built over, over a long period of time, not to date myself where now we have placed over 5,000 professionals in tech, HR, and finance locally here in Arizona. So Arizona is always um, very close to my heart. And we just, we, we love what we do. I have a team of recruiters and we're talking to candidates all day long and making sure that we're finding the best matches for our clients here. I love it. Carrie Owen. Do you know Carrie? I don't. Oh, gosh. She's been in the industry for so long. She's a, a, a sister-in-law of sorts. Her twin sister is married to my brother. And she's been in the same industry for almost as long. And I thought that she was one of your teammates, but apparently oh. not. <laughs> Carrie Francisco? I do know Carrie. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I said Owen. But, okay. but she's not part of Finders. No, she used to be. That's okay. Yeah. Very good. Yes. So I said, small, la- I said yes, small world. I love it. Very good. Okay. So let's have... Um, our listeners get to know you better and get our listeners and viewers, right? Because we're live on LinkedIn. Um, let's 
let's have Mary tell us a little bit about how you got started and really what's important about some connecting with you professionally, and then we'll have Sharon do the same thing. Okay. So where did you get started, and then, you know, why why you? <laughs> okay, I love it. Well, like Sharon, I started my business out of a need, and most business owners, if you read some studies, businesses are born out of a need. My need was I was taking care of my mom who had Alzheimer's. So I could no longer work a nine-to-five job, and this was back in 2014. There wasn't work from home or remote work, and with a parent with Alzheimer's, that just wasn't an option. So I I was leaving my, my job at a cushy school in San Diego in La Jolla, and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm almost 50. And so I went through an outplacement service, a very large one, and I thought, I can do this better. This is antiquated. Where's the LinkedIn part, you know? So I actually started my business as a career coach to help myself, which then turned into helping other people, creating my own programs and platforms. So I help people really create their own personal brand and understand what it is they do really well and what they don't want to do. So that's the key thing. It's so important. I call it a red flag list. Know what you don't like what you never want to do as an executive assistant, I never, ever want to take board minutes again in my life. If I have to go back and get another job, and I actually did at one point, I was working at a bank uh, as an executive assistant, I said, I will do all of this. I was recruited by someone who knew me, my reputation, my own brand. And I said, I will do all of this, but I will not take the board minutes. So that was my negotiation. So I help people really discover what they're great at, what they want to do for the next five years, create a career strategy plan. And then I help with a personal branding and positioning on LinkedIn. Because as we all know, 99% of recruiters are on LinkedIn looking for people. My question to our listeners and viewers, can you be found? So I help you get found and get hired. Well, we need to talk because I have been the best kept secret for almost seven years. We need to change that. Let's go from hidden to visible. Very, very much so. Excellent. Uh, And I always love when somebody has a backstory that's very personal, right? Same thing for me with the studio. I'm an executive leadership coach working on mind, body, spirit, and helping people just be the best version of themselves. And I, the more I worked with professionals, the more I knew I needed some way to be visible and, and chose this. So um, it's been great to have that connection. So it. thank you for a great. And yet I'm, I'm very underutilized on LinkedIn. I know that about myself. The studio, not so much, but Karen Nowicki as a brand yeah. uh, is very underutilized. So I look forward to that. Yeah, it's all about more. the personal branding these days for career professionals and businesses. You have to have a personal brand. I, I agree. My daughter uh, is very happy as a Red Bull employee has been for about seven years. And she also has been smart enough at 27 years old to grow a personal brand alongside that, not to compete, but to run, run alongside it because that is what they'll be looking for, won't they? At some point, like who is she as an individual? Someone wants to snag her from that mm-hmm. position or she gets ready to it, move on from herself. It will help her get her next job. Yeah. All right, great segue to Sharon then. Tell us a little bit more, of course, about your company and why it's important to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we all know, I mean, you have to love what you do. And I see so many people that they've worked for a particular company for a long period of time. They've gotten to that point. They usually start to look for, I would say, up to like six months before they finally either get the courage to move or there's a necessity. So I always talk about there really has to be pain. 
in the position where you feel like you there's no other choice. Like I need to actually make a move. And we're always coaching our candidates. It's actually better to start that process even before you need to, because nowadays you never know if you're going to unfortunately get laid off. We had, you know, we saw so much of that this year with layoffs. A different manager can come in, and that's usually what we see. There's a change in leadership, and all of a sudden someone's taken by surprise. And so things like LinkedIn, like always be ready to look for your next opportunity. Always be prepared. So part of what we do at The Finders is we're coaching our candidates, everyone that we talk to, not only about the position. Usually we are directly sourcing that candidate for a particular role or we do have postings, you know, where we we post positions as well. But with every candidate, we really want to identify, like Mary was saying, like, what do you truly want to be doing? What are you really passionate about? Not what you might be okay doing for a couple of years. So it's that coaching that we do with our candidates and really assessing is that particular role really right for them for the long term. Because when we get searches from our clients, you know, they are looking for that really long-term fit, that right candidate that's going to be with them for the, the long run. So we do a lot of that. For our clients, we're, you know, we always have this motto, like, always be recruiting. So even if that client is not looking right this moment, that they might need to. There might be someone that either gives notice, like we were talking about, or they might have a position that they have someone in currently, and it's just not the perfect fit. So with our clients, we're, we are that always be recruiting resource. Mm-hmm. We are that eye on the street, really identifying and trying to find the right candidates for them before they need it. So being very proactive. Would you say that that's one of the top things that a company can do to find the right Absolutely. Yeah. Any other other best strategies with that in mind? What do companies need to be doing to be top tier? Yeah. Well, there's a couple different things. One, like I was saying, like always be recruiting. And that means if you are interviewing someone for one role, always be thinking, okay, this candidate, if they're not right for this particular role, is there somewhere else in the organization that they might fit better? And some of our clients do that, but I would say as a whole, that's kind of a missed opportunity for a lot of clients. If they interview someone, there might be another role that might be even better. Or they might have to create the role, right? I mean, if there's an amazing person that fits in with your team and the culture and they're aligned with your mission and vision, make a role for them. Get them on board because you just never know what's going to happen. And I think that's the missed opportunity. You have a great person. And you're like, I don't have a role. And it could be, Sharon, right? I don't have a role for you yet. I think you're amazing. I want to see if we can create something for you. Yep. Right. And even if you can't, I mean, there are some companies where for budget yeah. or, or whatever they can't, but at least, you know, make a note of that, you know, of that person and keep in touch with them. Mm. So that would also be definitely a, a good practice for organizations. Great. Uh, Mary, how do we leverage LinkedIn uh, from a company standpoint? How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are lots of ways that a company should be utilizing LinkedIn, especially from the, I love what Sharon said, the always be recruiting. You should have a talent pool ready. Well, how do you do that? Okay, first you need to have a company page. You'd be surprised how many companies don't have a company page. Second, one of my favorite tips is to have an employee advocacy program. 
And so what that means is you want to encourage your employees to be posting on behalf of the company. You want them to be sharing about events, community involvement, trends in the industry, projects they're working on if they can. Most companies are afraid to let their employees post. This is very common. There are a few things that you can do. Number one, who's in the company that actually wants to be a little social media marketing person? Who's blowing up on TikTok right now on on themselves, right, personally? And can we harness that and bring it over to LinkedIn and have them start posting? The second thing you can do is have a pizza party. I know you're like, Mary, what does that have to do with anything? Have a lunch pizza party where you bring in six to 10 employees and say, hey, we're going to create content during lunchtime. We're going to inspire each other. We're going to create some content because the user-generated content always does better than the boring company posts, Mm -hmm. right? You want to hear it from the employee, and that can help. They can become your brand ambassadors. They can showcase the culture. What does that do? That attracts top talent. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting ready to hire, you can go to the employees and say, hey, we are looking for a new HR coordinator. Do you know anyone? So it's important to allow and encourage your employees to network on LinkedIn. Question about the employees. So they're listed as employees on the company page. Do they then, they do their post on LinkedIn from the company or they are just tagging the company from their own personal professional page? Personal profiles outperform company pages. And yet we have to have one. Yet you have to have one. So the company page, a lot of times it's a placeholder for most companies, right? Unless you're Intuit, Google, a big name. You've got people managing it. Even if you're a mid-sized company and you have some a marketing team managing the company page, it's usually pretty static and dry. Personal profiles are where the action's at. That's where everyone engages. Why? I, I like to say H to H, human to human. Right. The H to H factor, it's human to human. You're more relatable. You know, Sharon and I, we interact on our personal profiles, not on our company pages. They're there. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning about her company through the posts on her personal profile. I'm learning what an amazing company is, the culture, the team, all of that. So you really want to have those employees be posting on their personal profiles. And can I just talk about the monkey or the elephant in the room? Uh, people are like, companies will be going, I can't, I can't, I can't open that door. It's Pandora's box. If I let everyone post, they're going to say bad things. Well, one, you probably have the wrong employee on board. Okay, Mm. we need to look at that. Mm. But two, you know, I worked at a bank and we created a social media policy. Of course. Yeah. So create a policy. But here's my tip. Don't have the C-level create it or HR create it. If you want buy-in from your team, you can have an HR person on the, the committee that's going to create this, but get two to three employees and maybe another department chair. If you want true buy-in buy on on something like this, you want it to come from the ground up. And that's great leadership when you let the employees have the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. A couple things, too, that we're doing. We recently had a new social media company come in. And so they are. They're posting on our company page. And then they're posting on our personal pages. 
And then we also did some training for each of our recruiters because they have to find, you know, the right talent. They're always on LinkedIn. Most common people, we don't have the tools and we don't know enough about social media and LinkedIn in particular. So we had a trainer come on and do a two-day worksheet, a workshop rather, to, you know, train all of us on, you know, best practices and things that we can do better on, you know, LinkedIn to get more engagement. And then my social media person will look at our personal posts and then she's the one that actually can take a post and like cross post it to our our company page. page. And it's great to cross post to the company page, but my training, when I work with clients, it's like your personal profile is going to outperform your company page every day. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that you don't need a company page. <laughs> right. yeah. It's just you have to understand how LinkedIn works and the algorithm. Like one of the biggest mistakes I see is um, people love Instagram. I love Instagram. I have Instagram. But you can't take a post on Instagram on your company and just copy it and put it on LinkedIn. It doesn't format right. You have too many hashtags and little known fact, if you use too many hashtags on LinkedIn, LinkedIn kind of punishes you. So they're not going to show that post to your network. Yeah, there really is a difference among the, I would say, the three major social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Three major for me, Facebook, Instagram, and and uh, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm there with you. Just three. I know there's Twitter and whatever X, the other. Twitter, yeah. Cupcake. Never, I don't know what they call it. Is there a cupcake? No. <laughs> I just made that up. I was like, thank God, because I'd have to be on that one just by name alone. Because of the name. I know, right? <laughs> awesome. So before we move away a little bit from LinkedIn, we'll come back to it again. I want to make sure that we have a chance to hear a little bit more from Sharon. If you can tell us, are there other creative LinkedIn strategies that we have yet to mention that you feel are really worthy from a company perspective first and then also candidate? Yeah. I mean, for the company aspect, I think what Mary was saying, a lot of companies, they don't have a company profile and they're not really looking at it as a way to attract talent. So they're looking at it as a way to attract customers, Hmm. but they're not, I I think they're underutilizing it as a way to find talent. And so what we were talking about, always be recruiting. I mean, LinkedIn, everyone is using it to do a job search. So I think that that's a perfect way to really show your culture. And when we're talking and interviewing candidates, the one thing that they say is, you know, if they're reading a job description, that's not going to entice them. You know, if they're not using a recruiter that's telling them more about the the opportunity and such. But if they're just looking at a job description, the things that are going to entice them, I I mean, it's culture. Culture. It's like, how can I see what this company is all about? How can I see how, how they're coming out to the community and what they're doing, how they treat their employees? So, again, you know, what we just talked about, just having those posts. And I know, you know, Mary, you'll share more on the LinkedIn banners, you know, that's kind of like Mm. prime real estate. Real estate. It's free real estate on LinkedIn. I'm always like, my favorite word, free real estate on LinkedIn. But when you talk about company culture and community, I think right now today that is more important than money. Like people, I mean, money is important. Money is important. You've got to make enough money. (laughs) But if you have three jobs and they're all around the same. Yeah. The company that has the right culture that serves in the community where they are, that's attracting talent these days. Money is important. I didn't mean to say it's not. But when Uh, you have a level playing field, three companies are all $100,000 to start. Benefits are all around the same. But this company gives back to the community or this company, that culture is about letting people fail. 
trying new things to fail. Like that is really important to today's right. career professionals. I think just one addition would be flexibility too. Flexibility. That's but a all, huge all one. Things but that's a huge equal. one right yeah, now. Yeah, right now. I mean, if someone can, um, you know, go for a position where it's either hybrid mm-hmm. or mostly remote, that will always, I think that, you know, that's probably almost, I wouldn't say almost more important, but it's definitely It's like in the very, top three. If, if people, when I work with yeah. clients, I, I have a little questionnaire and like, I, I have something called a day in your dream job. What does that look like? Because I want people to write that. I want them to think about it, write it down. Is everything realistic? Maybe not. You know, can't work on an island all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what is what are the top three things? And I have to say money is not number one on that list. It's culture, flexibility, professional growth, depending on who we're working with. And the way for candidates or even power partners and vendors or clients, right, to know how we are showing up in those three areas is through social media more so than our websites. Right. I mean, we have to have a website. Too. Websites are placeholders. <laughs> they are. These they're days. just right. And and LinkedIn page sounds like it is too from a company perspective. However, tell us more about the banner and how do you li- utilize some of those? I'll call them assets within LinkedIn. How does a company use the banner? Is that what you were alluding to, Sharon? Yeah. Yeah. Mary, yeah. tell us that secret. Yeah. So your company banner is. I call things above the fold. They're going to see the company banner, the company name, and your tagline. Right. The biggest thing I can say is let's not be boring on LinkedIn. We have enough boring people. I want people to pop, pizzazz, and stand out. So the banner, it should be on brand with your company colors, but put a great tagline up there. Tell a story. Now, one of the mistakes I do see is people put too much on a banner. They'll put all their awards up there. I'm, I'm happy for you. Good job on all those awards being listed everywhere, but that's not the place. It should be clear and concise, but it should be attractive to those new employees or new vendors. Um, so like Sharon's banner pops, it's all it's on brand for her as well. Also on the company page, you do need to post because people do follow company pages to learn more about the company. One of the things that I think is missing is highlighting employees. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just did that in November. I'm Congratulations. Yeah, we Good did job. a whole thankful, thank, excuse me, thankful uh, November. We and need to do it all, all year. Our clients. Yes, agreed. Right? Like yes, once a true. month, highlight yeah. an employee. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be employee of the month. Just like um, I'm working with Arrowhead Flowers. You said to name drop. There we go. Mark Hunter, if you're listening, <laughs> I love Mark. working with you. So we were, did his profile, did the company page. And he's, we were having a conversation. And he's like talking about this team member. I'm like, Mark. We need to highlight them. Yes. We need to do a post on LinkedIn and talk about how fabulous they are and tag them and, and get his team on LinkedIn because they're not all on LinkedIn. A flower shop. You're like thinking Instagram. Absolutely. Because it's visual. However, if you're going for B2B business, LinkedIn. I was just going to mm-hmm. say that. So often when folks come in here and they're guests on our show and they're B2C, right? Business to consumer, business to client. They overlook the power that is available to them in securing and building relationships B2B, business-to-business. Networking. It's networking. And where is that going to happen digitally? It's going to happen on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Is Alignable, is is that called Alignable? Is it Alignable? And that's the name of it, right? I think so. I still get invites for Alignable. I I don't know how that is effective for people, huh? Um, I don't personally use it because I don't want to have my network built on two different yeah. platforms. I can barely keep track of my network yeah. now, right? Like, why do I want to add another one? I've got Instagram, 
Facebook is really for family and friends these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but LinkedIn is my, where my professional network is built. And I, I don't find the value using my time going to another network platform and building another and building a new network on Mm -hmm. a separate platform Mm -hmm. when I've got 13,000 amazing people on LinkedIn. Yeah. Why leave them (laughs) or try to duplicate what you're doing? Right. I've I've been wanting to ask because I've, I've watched kind of Alignable over the years. And at the same time, um, I just have avoided spending any time there. No offense to Alignable. I just find that LinkedIn is is more effective. Uh, Sharon, let's talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that companies uh, tend to make during the interview process and um, how they can avoid that. Yeah, um, I would say there's two things that we see very frequently and we get feedback on. One is just the interview process in general. If it's too long and there's too many hoops, most of the time when we have a position, we are really going to market and we're headhunting. And I think overall, even if a candidate applies to a position, if that company is taking a really long time and they're not giving consistent feedback along the way, we see that candidates get a little, you know, they get frustrated for sure. We have had occasions where we follow up with a candidate and they're no longer interested. They're like, based on this interview process, I'm thinking that this is how it's they're part going of the culture. They treat me. Right? They start worrying like yeah. if it's going to take them two months to make a decision. How much red tape and hoops am I am I going to have to jump through once I get the job to actually do my job? So right. right. So as recruiters, I mean, we try to you know share as much as we can and follow up with our candidates. But there comes a point if we aren't getting feedback that that's a definitely a, a good opportunity for our clients to to change that. So I think yeah, I liken yeah. it to showing up to a restaurant. Right. So if it's a an expensive restaurant. And you pull in the parking lot and there's trash in the parking lot or you walk into the hostess stand and no one's there to greet you or their attitude is not great. Then by the time I finally sit down and look at the menu, if I actually have gotten into the restaurant, decided to eat there, um, I'm already a little jaded. Right. So we have to manage those expectations uh, all along the way. Otherwise, someone may say, hey, you know what? I've just I'm having second uh, second thoughts and I've decided to take a job elsewhere or I'm going to be looking Customer service starts before they enter, before they get the job offer. Mm -hmm. How are they treated? And I love that this is a yeah, this is a conversation around customer service, right? Even when we are looking for uh, new employees and team members, and those team members, of course, are looking for the best placement. I used to work in the Kyrene School District years ago. My first career was as an educator. And I was uh, working with the superintendency, and it was at the time where uh, school districts were really feeling like they were being pulled away. Uh, families were being pulled away for the um, the other school opportunities, right? And I would say to the superintendent, this is sales, my friend. <laughs> you might be a school district, and and you know the paychecks come from the from the government and that sort of thing, and our taxpayers. However, at the end of the day, you are still selling what Kyrene has to offer, and it's been fun to watch them since those mid '90s make that shift because we really have to tell our story, right? Isn't that what we're doing after all through this whole conversation? Is how do we tell the best story about ourselves as a candidate and ourselves as a company? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Great. All right. Let's talk about leadership for a few minutes because you're clearly both leaders and uh, folks are listening and paying attention. What mindset shifts, and I'm going to start with Sharon, and would love to hear, Mary, what you have to add as well. What do you think that leaders need to be doing in 2024 when it comes to hiring and shifting the way they've been doing things previously? Yeah, that's a really good question. 
I would say, I'm trying to think of the best word, like the verdict is still out, right, about the economy in 2024. Mm. You talk to, you know, 10 people, five people are going to say, oh, it's horrible. It's, it's I horrible. Can't, we're I can't, not sure. Right. We're not hiring. I'm worried. I'm scared. And then the other, you know, half is like, wow, this is a great opportunity to really maximize um, our talent pool, to be innovative. So mm. I think that whole mindset is really as an organization, like this is such a great time to grow your business and to find people that typically have not been available. Bingo. Right? I mean, just amazing people that are now either looking, you know, selectively, they could be actively looking, or if you call them, you know, as recruiters, if we call them, chances are they're going to be interested in at least listen to the story about a client, you know, that we're working with. So I would think, you know, that that's a huge shift. And that's something that I think all companies really should be doing is just thinking about like, how can I really take advantage of this market currently and get great talent that I couldn't get before, even as small companies. Yeah, there's a lot of great talent out there. So now's not the time to ignore it. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to actually go after it. And like you mm -hmm. said, to grow your team. I think leadership needs to look at their hiring process. They really do. If you want to attract and keep good talent, how are you going to do that in 2024? Because let's be real. Let's talk about pool tables, popcorn machines. Does that really attract top talent? It did 10 years ago. That was the thing. It's not a thing anymore. Right. So what do people want? Flexibility. You know, flexibility. <laughs> remote exactly. Work. Remote, yeah. hybrid, flexibility. It's not money. Is I, I don't think that money is the number one on the list. It's in the top three. So I think the leadership really needs to look at the market, which are the potential employees. What are they looking for in 2024? And they need to respond to that in a positive way and not say, oh, sorry, we're not going to do that mm -hmm. with remote work. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry, we're not going to do that. Right. I even know a local school district, Paradise Honors, I think, in Surprise, they're going to a four-day work week. Look at those eyes. Four <laughs> former teachers staring you down. Right. Going, wow. uh, my friend works there and we just had a conversation. I'm super happy. It's possible. So if anyone has read the four-day work week book, yep. any business can do it. You just have to get everyone on board and, and go for it. And yeah. so they're planning for it. They're going to work 10 minutes more each day. Mm -hmm. But she, the employees were concerned. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get paid less. Yeah. I'm going to have to work longer hours. The idea of a four-day work week is not to get paid less or to work longer hours. Same pay, same hours. You just do it all in four days because how much time is wasted at the office, yeah. even at home? So I know Sharon and I are both thinking about the kids. Yeah, like, huh. <laughs> uh, but however, <laughs> as a former teacher, I know, and I've still got one in high school, um, that those four days would really be phenomenal. It gives us a chance to travel. That's why they're doing right. it. Yep. The, I love they it. pulled their, they, and again, they got buy-in from the family. Mm -hmm. They said, we have to have a certain percentage of yep. family say mm -hmm. yes to this before they would implement it. And the reasoning was family school life balance. Instead of pulling your kid out on yep. Friday because you're right. going on a family trip. Yep. Oh, it goes back or, to flexibility, right? Yes. It really, I think that's the name of the game for so many of us. And when we talk about that mindset shift, I, I just want to kind of identify it for our viewers and listeners, right? It's a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. What are we doing uh, either as an individual leader <laughs> to continue to grow and expand? And how am I helping to model that and help my employees and my team, my vendors, my clients 
go, go along that same line. And uh, I think it's critical if, especially with so many things that are unknowns, you kind of highlighted that, the economy, even the way that AI is showing up in our workforce and some of those concerns, we can sit around and get uh, all bent out of shape and busted up about the things that are negative and really could potentially create some uh, discord uh, in the way that we're doing business. Or we can jump in the other camp because there are those people, as you pointed out, and say, all right, this is all well and fine. What are we going to do to stay on top? What are we going to do move forward? So thank you both for being great examples and models for can us. I, can that. I touch Please on do. that AI? Because yeah. uh, Sharon knows I, I just got my certification as an AI persona writer. I was scared of AI back in March. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to take over. And I'm such a connector and a human-to-human person. Mm-hmm. I, I was afraid of it, but I've embraced it. And a lot of people are saying, Mary, it's going to take over. It's going to take jobs away from people. I'm looking at the camera. It's not. It's going to take jobs away from people that don't understand right. it and don't know how to work it. Just like computers. Yeah. Everybody was afraid the computers are going to take over the world and take over all the jobs and no one's going to have jobs. That didn't happen. And AI is not going to take over jobs. It's going to make copywriter jobs easier, content writer jobs easier. We're going to be able to produce better content, more quality content, more quantity for you guys to choose from. And and, and I just want people to understand it's how we use it. And if we're using it responsibly, then it's not going to take over the world. And it's here to stay. So you either embrace it and be like, okay, it's here. I want to learn it. I want to learn this much of it. Or you have that mindset of, I don't want it. It shouldn't be here. And get left in the dust. And you'll become a dinosaur. (laughs) Well, I think from a candidate standpoint, too, it's kind of an equalizer because there are some, um, you know, candidates and people out there where they might not think of themselves as a good writer, um, a good resume writer, a good um, content writer on LinkedIn. But with AI, you can actually use that, you know, I generate ideas with some of my posts where I'm like, and you know this, Mary, like, I'm getting, I'm talking to the expert here, but, um, you know, you can say, hey, can you rewrite this sounding a little bit more professional or mm-hmm. a little bit more sassy? I was or, like, my term is, that's great. It's too professional. Yeah, can like, you make can it more casual and, and, it does. and sassy? So yeah. you create your own persona. Yep. You train the AI to sound and think like you, and then it generates content that is in your voice. And that's, that's where people like fall off the AI, but for career professionals, I don't know what to post on LinkedIn. You've got a friend, such a great friend. Yeah. And it's so (laughs) easy. There's so many people that are, you know, I think they're scared of it. So they haven't even gone on there. So yeah, Yeah. I would highly recommend. To Mary's point, it's all about training AI. So not only have you both highlighted how you have to educate the people you work with, the companies, as well as the candidates that you're working with, that's training, right? AI is a fast learner. <laughs> you give it the right prompt and it is going to take you where you want to go. I'm, I, my team is only, is kind of like, oh my gosh, we are doing things so much faster and more efficiently and more specific because of the way that we've trained AI to follow our prompts and our leads. It's uh, one funny story. I'm on the booster club for my son's wrestling team. I've been assigned to do a post for the 33 sponsors, right, on, on Facebook. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get this done? And then this morning, like, and then I'm like, oh, I'm using ChatGPT. So I put in one prompt and asked it to refer to the website for the sponsor. 
for highlights as to why we want to do it was the most fantastic post i sent it to the team i'm like look i'll get all these done by the end of the weekend as long as someone can edit them and make right. sure they're personalized they were all immediately they're like wow that's incredible yeah i always say yeah. i i love chat gpt but i always say ai needs the human eye on it of course they do so the people that are like well it's going to take over it's because you're just going to put something in there, shoot it out, copy it, and not even read it? No. Like, you need to put the, your own human eye on all the AI stuff that you're doing. Right. And and with uh, LinkedIn and all of those posts, you can go back in and edit it, too. Yeah. So you can make sure if it doesn't sound like you, you can go back in Good. and edit it so yeah. it does. But career like professionals you. do need to wrap their head around, on, especially the higher level, um, C-level uh, professionals, because I was reading uh, an article that, Harvard. Anyways, they are looking, there's a, a search for board directors to understand AI. Mm. Yes. Yes. They are is now because AI, they need, a, you know, board members, they mm -hmm. need people on the boards yeah. that understand AI so they can manage it for these larger corporations. So if you're a C-level executive thinking, I don't need to learn AI Baloney. <laughs> and you have a board that you report to, I'm here to tell you, you need to understand it and probably have someone on your team mm. that can teach and direct the board members of how to use AI responsibly in your business. Mm -hmm. hmm. Let's talk about um, what may or may not be a dinosaur as well. This thing called a resume or a vita. Are those still important? I had to do mine not too long ago for some opportunities I was being considered for. And I've owned this studio for almost seven years and have been self-employed quite a bit longer than that. I had to really brush mine up. Is it necessary? or And if, and if not, what are we using instead? I Definitely. wish they were, but they're yeah. still... <laughs> I wish they weren't necessary. I wish yeah. video resumes, you know, although I don't mind being on camera, right? So I don't mind a video resume. I think your personality and tone can come through. But mm -hmm. resumes are still necessary. And I think the biggest mistake people make is they make one resume. They use the same resume for 10 different jobs. And they're not getting the key words. Yeah. But with ChatGPT, <laughs> you could write 10 resumes for 10 positions in about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, all of our clients, it's, it's a resume. And even though, again, I mean, we coach them, you know, and we tell them. Because usually every candidate that we submit, we have a very in-depth interview with them. We really know their, their personality, what they're looking for, their experience. But it's still, you know... Uh, the resume that's gonna do you know the the selling and with along with our get their notes. foot in the door it's, yeah it's the resume that yeah. someone's gonna touch it and read it does it have the right keywords does it position them as the expert for whatever they're uh, applying for whatever position right. but that's... they you have to have a different resume for each position and most people are too lazy and I get it resumes are a beast to write one until I built a resume persona. And yeah. now I can do one in about three minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important, too, because LinkedIn is probably the second, you know, right after the resume, resume your LinkedIn. LinkedIn profile is, you know, the second most important thing that you need to make sure that they complement each other so that everything you say on your resume, if someone goes to your LinkedIn profile, mm. it's the same information. <laughs> Um, there's no, you know, discrepancies because that's a big thing that we see from our clients. They'll they'll ask like, okay, why why is this date wrong? And sometimes our candidates they don't. I mean, they or just they just do haven't it. updated they, their LinkedIn right, and it's outdated. And they're it. like, wait, they were a social media manager 
but now they're applying to be a sales director. Like what's right? They just don't update, so they do need to be clear right. and concise the, and match. Mm-hmm. And the consistency years of employment. Sharon, know. how important is it as well that it be um, that the the resume be what's the word I'm looking for uh, ready to be read digitally, right? Because uh, like my 29 year old was looking for a job and wrote his own resume, and I kept encouraging to work with someone like your team because I. I knew that he didn't know the nuances of how things are going to be filtered out for keywords. So can you touch on that a little bit? Why is that important? And are we missing out if we're doing it ourselves and we don't have a clue? Right. I think it's important for a couple different reasons, not only digitally, but a lot of times an organization will have a um, recruiting coordinator or someone, you know, with a little bit maybe lighter experience that's helping the recruiter or the, the leader look. So you want to make sure, you know, they're given those keywords that the position um, really is looking for. So you really want to make sure, like Mary was saying, you want to make sure that you are very specific on if you are applying for a particular role, that those keywords, one, that you have them, you know, legitimately, but that you put them in the resume because you want to make it as easy as possible for that hiring leader to look at your resume and, you know, know the job description and say, this is a Mm no-brainer. Definitely, I want to talk to this person. So if you do, you know, I talk to, you know, candidates all day long and they're like, you know, I applied, I sent eight, 1,800 resumes right now. Like there are some positions where they've just, you know, they've been trying for a really long time to get a job. And that's where our conversation, you know, halts for a second because they have to be able to identify why they're a good fit and make it as easy as possible. So going in and just making sure that your resume is tailored and that those keywords, whether it is digitally or, you know, someone's actually looking at that resume because they're usually looking at each resume for just 15 seconds. Yeah. How does your experience match what we're looking for? And if I have to make the leap or it takes a little bit of extra effort, I'm likely going to get passed up. Yeah. 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 Good. Wow. Uh, All right. Well, we just have a little bit of time left. So let's, uh, let's talk about why strategy is so important. Right. We're talking about strategy in looking for a job and showing up as a candidate, even while we're currently employed, (laughs) positioning ourselves as um, a personal brand and a professional brand is important. And it sounds like you're the finders do a great job making sure the your your candidates are in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And then for companies. Right. The same thing, making sure that they're always looking. They're always in that mode of looking. What other strategies can we share around job seeking? finding the right candidates, as well as, you know, Mary's area of expertise, just really showing up on LinkedIn. This is not around, you know, kind of doing it when we feel like it. This is something no. that we have to have a strategy behind. Well, Sharon yeah. said earlier to always be ready. And so from the career professional, you should have your resume and LinkedIn updated, even if you are happy and comfy at a job, because if 2020 taught us anything, we don't know what's going to happen. And the longevity of jobs these days, right, uh, are not 10 years. The average job uh, professional works around three and a half to four years at a job before leaving. Mm. So you should always be ready. Have your, your resume should be kept updated. Your LinkedIn profile should be kept updated. And you should always be networking on LinkedIn and in person and adding amazing people to your network because then when you are in that situation, I have people come to me, I need a profile. I need a network. Well, you should have been building that for the last five years. I'm happy to help you now, but there's a difference from throwing it like I'm in fire 
pull me out of the fire, Mary. Hey, I've got some fire. Hey, you've already got everything built. Now we just have to execute it or we just need to put it it. into play. Mm -hmm. So it's really about having a strategy all the time, not just when you need it. Right. And that's where people get in trouble and get stuck, right? Like, help. I need a job. I got laid off. Right. Or you forget. You forget all the accomplishments, all the great things that you've done. Keep your little folder of your emails or, you know, print that out or keep a a digital folder and make sure that you have that. So uh, when someone asks you, what's the biggest compliment a client gave you? Like, how are you going to remember that Mm -hmm. from three three years ago or five years ago? Well, if you have a little file kept, then you have all your accomplishments. So keeping your resume updated, keeping your LinkedIn updated with all your accomplishments, that's having a strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I said earlier around um, selling, right? We're, when we're looking for jobs or we're trying to garner the right teammates towards us, it is a lot like sales. It is sales. We're always selling ourselves. And for folks who are working so exhaustively with current clients or current customers, and then they take their eyes off the opportunities that are out there, what happens when that current client or that customer dries up? Now they're like, oh, shoot, we've got a market. And now it's it's foreign to them. And it's, again, the strategy makes a big difference. So we appreciate you guys highlighting that piece. Yeah, so good. Um, anything that I haven't thought to ask either of you that as you were driving to the studio today, you thought, you know, I kind of hope we talk about this this particular aspect of, of what we have to offer the world. Did I miss anything? You know, the one thing that I can think about, and this is a trend that we've seen this year, is the idea about top grading. And that is really organizations have come to us. They might not be growing, you know, as quickly in some areas this year or even have plans to next year. But they've identified that the person that they have in a particular role, it's usually, you know, management or senior leadership, they're not able to really take the organization or that department where they need it to go in the future. So they, they've come to us, and we've done a lot more confidential searches where they know that um, it's just they're going to need to make a change. And so I think a lot of organizations for 2024 are really going to look at that. Like maybe we're not scaling and we're not growing as quickly, but where can we do better And maybe where have we had someone in that role where it's, you know, they've either outgrown the role or the role has outgrown them. And so I think that's one of the strategies that a lot of, you know, clients are going to use next year. How can we get better by making shifts and not necessarily growing the company, but keeping it, you know, kind of lean and mean and profitable with the right right people. And all the while preparing for that growth when that happens. Can you explain what you mean by confidential searches? I don't know what that means. Yeah. So, you know, usually just using a recruiter, you know, they're contacting us and they're saying confidentially, we have a person in this role that we need to replace. And so for that, there is a lot of confidentiality where we're not posting. They're not posting that role. They're not making it public to their organization until after they found the right person and, you know, had that difficult conversation mm-hmm. with the person in that You're position. the HR detective. Yeah. So it's very, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a quiet, you know, you've heard of quiet quitting. Well, this is like quiet hiring. Critical. It yeah. sounds like. Yeah. And um, again, strategic. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. We talked about AI. That was something I was thinking about on the way that career professionals and companies, C-level, everyone kind of needs to think about it. And if you're afraid of it, 
I encourage you not to be and to try to learn about it and how it can help your business either in searches or your employee growth or your content. And for the companies that have boards, you need to have someone on your board that understands AI and how you need to protect yourself or how to use it at your company. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a big move in 2024. Hmm. Board of directors that somebody, that one person at least that is in the AI movement and understands what the risks are and what the benefits are. Yeah, so good. How can folks stay in touch with you? So again, for our listeners and viewers, from a company perspective, and then of course, from a potential client perspective, how do they get in front of you to see if you guys are a good fit for each other? Yeah, for me, I would just say, you know, LinkedIn, of course, our website, um, I'm sure it'll be on your show notes, Karen, but it's just the hyphen finders.com. Um, so there's a way to send an inquiry to send your resume and we will gladly be able to, you know, have a further discussion. Excellent. Yeah. And of course, LinkedIn or right on my profile, there's a button that says book a call. And there's actually other options there. You can book a call, download a PDF. So I would say go there or DM me on LinkedIn. We can start a conversation and uh, just see if we're a good fit. And if not, you know who I can refer you out to. I love that you highlighted that. That really is. A I'm big not the part. best fit for everyone. Yeah. I'm not great with engineers, like working with engineers, like that's not my specialty. So, but let me find someone who can help you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you guys are the same, Sharon, right? At the Finders. If, if you're not uh, well-versed or in that area, you've got plenty of yeah. experience to be able to say, hey, connect with right. these other individuals. Well, yeah, and even just I had a client last week where they needed help with their son who was looking for a position and they needed help with a resume. So I said, call Mary, you know, oh, she I'd could be able that. to help. So like, yeah, we, we definitely. That's what it's about, connecting people, yeah, partnering, absolutely. referrals. Yes. There's enough business for all of us. Agreed. And again, yeah. that goes back to that growth mindset versus doomsday. The world <laughs> is falling apart. I, I'm saying that loud to remind myself because sometimes I do fall there and I'm like, shoot, this is not healthy. I need to make sure that I'm focusing on the things that I can control and stay creative with that. Thank you both so much for spending your morning with us. It's been a great conversation. And again, we deeply appreciate Nicole Maiden, who said you need to have these women on because they are powerhouses. It relates to recruiting, job placement, success, and LinkedIn. So on that note, we'll close out today's show. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. Some media leans left. Some lean right, and we lean LinkedIn and job placement. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. 